It's time for the Rich Life Retirement Show, brought to you by retirement professional and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Bo Henderson. This is the one place committed to helping you navigate all aspects of a successful, meaningful, and fulfilling retirement. Let's get started. Here's Bo Henderson and Bill Maine. Yes, we're back together. Rich Life Retirement, Bill Maine, hanging out with Bo Henderson. Hey, Bo. How's it going, Bill? Just fine and looking forward to a brand new show. And on today's show, are state and local governments giving up on efforts to fully fund their employees' pensions? Hmm. Some investors are expecting their portfolios to grow 15% a year between now and 2025. And we'll talk about whether that's realistic. And when it comes to retirement, there's something very special about the year 1966. Hmm. We'll tell you what that is. But first... The Labor Department recently came out with a rule requiring 401k plan administrators to tell you how much monthly income your account balance might generate. But don't you already kind of provide that information to your clients anyway? Isn't that part of it? That's part of the strategy, right? That's what I do as as a planner is we, we want to take assets and say, okay, how much income can that asset generate or how can we fill income gaps? But I love this move uh, by the Department of Labor to make it mandatory for employers to show that number because it helps give some context to the person planning for retirement. To, okay, I might have 300000 500000 whatever. It gives them some context about what kind of income that can really help generate because really in retirement, remember, Bill, what we talk about, it's a cash flow game. It's about, do I have enough income to cover the expenses I have in retirement? Right. And it's not going to be always, as you've pointed out, one particular vehicle that drives you there. You, you may have to have a fleet that's right. Well, and that's the thing. I think there's just a, a little bit of a mind shift. When I, I, I had an example just a couple of weeks ago, a couple came in and they had a, a large 401k and they were just going to hit hit retirement pulling from that thinking, hey, it's a big number. I should be fine. We actually did the math and ran the analysis and they were going to run out at about 78 years old. Oh, no. So either they need to, to end the, you know, they need to stop living. Yeah, drive off a which, cliff at yeah, 78. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that doesn't work. Or we're going to run into some big problems. Yeah. So so that's one of the things. And then the other, I like this too. They'll illustrate it in more of an annuity form of what, what income stream we could generate for my life, if it's my, my 401k plan, or what kind of in, income stream, and it'll be a reduced amount, would it be for me and a spouse? Do you think a lot of people, when they, they get that plan at work or whatever, the 401k that's out, or if it's a pension plan, however you want to describe it, that once they get that, they just think, that's all I need? They don't even think, even even when they get the number from their employer, they go, that's all I need. They've got it figured out. Hey, I've got what I need. Right. I think so. I think a lot. And, and again, once we start putting it into real numbers, here's my expenses. Here's the other sources of income I have. The income gap will show itself. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's very small. Sometimes it's very big. And we have to translate that lump sum. I, we've talked about this specifically, I believe. Fidelity did a disservice to... Uh, marketing the marketing world to the retiree by they, they had that campaign. What's oh, the your commercials number? where they would walk. How far can you go? Yeah, What's yeah. your number? Yeah. So okay. everybody was focused on the lump sum and not the income that it could provide for them. And sometimes that can be wrong thinking. Or like I was saying in that example of the couple I talked to last week, the sum sounds big, should be good, but the math will show us. Yeah, because you don't realize your day to day sometimes expenses what's chipping away, and, and the number looks big enough to cover it all, and it's not. And you're starting to see it's fascinating me. You're starting to see the realization that people are outliving their money. That's why we're seeing these rules of of people. Okay, you need to start planning some sources of income that 
you can count on, you can't outlive. Right. Yeah. So, but this is what this is what you guys do. Right. Uh, you, you do the modeling. You you put the strategies together. If folks want to get the ball rolling. Uh, they start with the website, I would guess, and then maybe a phone call. Yeah, check out what we have going on. There's a nice intro from me. I, I say it's nice. That's kind of funny, huh? There's an intro from me. I've seen it. It's uh, good. Okay, <laughs> at richlifeadvisors.com. Just talking about our methodology and philosophy and why we do what we do and how we do what we do. And for specific questions or just concerns that you have, give us a call at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. And, Bill, I want to go ahead and, and let listeners know today that uh, I want to make available the 12 Steps to Retirement Success book to anybody listening to this show on WDUN. Okay, good. How and, are we going to do it? And all we do, go to the website. There will be a form there at the bottom of the page. Just put WDUN book, and we'll get that out to you. All right, very good. Okay. Check it out, most definitely. You know, uh, speaking of books and people have written things down, Benjamin Franklin did a lot of that. Sharp guy. Recall. Yeah, I like, I like Benjamin Franklin. Great stories about this guy. But famously, he said, the only two things in life that are certain, and everybody knows what I'm going to say, death and taxes. Right. Well, you might want to add one more certainty to that and see what you think about it, and that is fees. They are everywhere. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the mortgage lenders, uh, now going to charge a fee when you refinance your home. So they make you pay more money for the privilege of trying to save money. And sometimes you wonder, does it all balance out? Does, does, does it indeed make sense to do that? And Let's just talk about fees in general as well. What's your take on how that works? Well, the fees, and this is this is impacting the mortgage market. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're charging now a 0.5% adverse market fee. I put that in quotation adverse marks. Adverse market? Right, right. So how is that? It's not really defined too much. What does that much. mean? I, I file that under miscellaneous fees. But the important thing to know, that, that half a percent fee... And it went into effect September 1st. Oh, already. Well, so, okay. And that affects people that had a mortgage in process that didn't close. But what we need to know is be aware of the fees. And also, right now, there's a lot of refinancing going on. And sometimes it can make sense. But we also want to pay attention to, by the time I refinance, the closing cost, this new adverse market fee. Yes. How long is it going to take me to make up that refinance expense to make it a good decision to i mean maybe moving just a little a half a percent is not going to be worth the, the cost of refinancing and we want to do the math but i think the point here in just sharing this one this is new and people need to know it's there because if not it's just kind of in the fine print slipped into the the documents you sign but uh be aware of it and know what those fees are now this is going to be to the tune on average uh from what i read bill about fourteen hundred dollars additional fees per closing wow that does make you Take a moment to pause as whether you want to refinance or not, because like you say, you're going to have to move a, a little bit to be able to do that. Now, if you had a mortgage, at, let's say you got it at 3.75 or 4, right. and you're going down to some of these, I've seen them as low as 2.75. If you're going that far, right. almost a full point, it's a no-brainer, I would think. Then it could play out as long as you're not telling me, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and refinance, but we're moving in three years. You, you might not have yeah. the time time frame to make it up. Usually sure. we're looking seven, eight years out. Yeah, and I think the other thing you look at, you might be in some cases, as you mentioned, run the numbers, but what do you think about this? What if you're if you're saying, okay, if I'm going to have to pay extra, would it not make more sense for me to just pay a little extra principal every month and ship it down faster? Now that you're thinking. I, oh, my I, work here is done. Okay. We model, we compare that, right? What if I took that extra money? And I just paid that as a principal reduction. How does that play out versus this whole refinance deal? And now you have A versus B. Yeah, and you might come out. You and I will tell you this: as somebody who has done some of this before with with my mortgages, paid a little extra on the principal, it'll surprise you at what it will do to what you're paying in interest and when you can pay out and the whole thing. And you 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 end up realizing, whoa, why didn't I do this to start with? 
you know that it blows people's minds. But on a on an average thirty year loan, that making one extra payment a year will take seven years off that loan. That to me, that's incredible. Right. That that shows you the power of that interest you're paying because yeah, no. you're able to just do a, a straight principal reduction. So all that to say is one, be aware of it. There's an extra fee there now, and two, make sure you're making you're making sure that it makes sense to do that refinance now. One of the problems, uh, the mortgage industry, I believe, might be a little concerned, too, because it's making this a little less attractive for the consumer. Yeah. They're yeah. having something else, and people like me are telling you to look out for it. Yeah, it's starting to put the brakes on it just a little bit. So, and, you know, if you just, and if, and if you're to the point where you don't have a whole lot left on your mortgage, right. and I say a whole lot if you're, you know, maybe you got eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000, you're under the six digits uh, mark, you might want to think, well, wait a minute, let, let's not refinance because I'm not paying it off at that much faster right. this was going to play out in six to seven years anyway yeah. maybe you just got to weigh it and, and model it right yeah there you go and of course that starts with uh getting with people who know what they're doing and of course rich life advisors that's why we're talking to our retirement resource bo henderson today on rich life retirement bill main hanging out with bo and okay let's move to this story in market watch predicts that state and local governments will put pension funding on a back burner because of the tax money they've lost during the covid19 pandemic now that should be a concern for people who are counting on a pension to help fund their retirement, I would think, because coming from a household whose whose dad had a government pension, right. uh, that would have been a concern if, the, if he were still alive and looking at it right now, I would think anyway. Well, and here's what's happening, and this was something I read research from the, the Center of Budget and Policy Priorities. They're saying that state budget shortfalls from the economic impact of COVID-19 will total a cumulative $555 billion over the period of 2020 through 2022. Wow. it's a lot of money. So what our states are Even faced with. for governments, with, that's it is. a lot of I money. mean, that, that's a big number for government. <laughs> yeah. So what our states we're faced with now is is a trade-off between deep cuts in education and health care and funding the pensions. And what I'm afraid is the pensions are going to draw the short end of the stick on this, and we're going to have some years where the pensions aren't funded. And and it, it's a tough balancing act. I gotta gotta respect the lawmakers who are having to deal with this, but at the same time, you know, I understand with education and healthcare. But it, the other side of that is, if you're not funding these pensions and people are falling on harder times in that age group, right. uh, if they're retired at sixty five or above, that puts another burden on your healthcare industry because those people need more healthcare usually than people in my age group. Right, you could be creating a problem down the road. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of moving pieces. I, I don't get real political here, but that's what government does really well is kick the can down the road. It's yeah. a problem for another day. Live, yeah. you know, somebody's going to deal with it, not me in my term. Well, right? and you and you see that in your planning every day because one of the things they kick down the road is Social Security funding, right? In the way that they've put their hands in the in the cash box, and they shouldn't have done that. And that's even more with the Social Security specifically. We talk about the that the difference between what people do, actually do and what they're entitled to on average there's $111,000 of additional benefit people don't claim that they're eligible for per average family it's amazing that's why we have to get that right cuz i don't think these pensions are as dependable I, I see them every year there's over 84,000 since 1985 that have been done away with and you see them being cut away every oh, wow. year wow yeah and and the rules the rule book for that on on the social security and, and getting your money in the right way is thicker than the Sears Roebuck catalog, and I just dated myself by saying that. But people who are close to retirement will remember the Sears Roebuck. I remember catalog. the wish book. The, absolutely, the wish book. Right, let's, <laughs> okay, I, let, let's move to something else here. I, I'm a little bit curious about this because you know we talk a lot on this radio station about politics. We have a lot of political commentaries and sure. things like that. So I'm curious. Do you have any clients without 
naming names, of course, uh, who are wanting to make moves with their money because of the election and the coverage and the things they're seeing and what they think may or may not happen when November gets here? I hear this every day, Bill, is I am scared of the election. I'm concerned what might happen if this happens. I don't know what will happen if that happens. And there's so much fear in the media and the news that there's a lot of that right now. What do I need to do? How do I need to prepare myself? And we've even talked about the trillions of dollars now that are in cash because people people are just saying, hey, I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. Yeah, I was wondering, I was going to say, are they? is it causing a, a chilling effect when it comes to investing? Are they pulling back and going, I just, I'll wait? Uh, there's two things. So, so there's one, I see two approaches. There's a passive approach, which that's the, let me pull it on cash and see what happens. The proactive approach, and that's that's my story when I'm asked this question, is, you know what, you're right, the election's coming up. I could see some big swings in things that could impact a, a near-future retirement. Guess what we need to get, get prepared with? We need a strategy. We need to start working on your strategy. Yeah. We need to get crystal clear on when you're going to retire. What are your expenses? What are our assets? What are our other sources of income? What do we need to do for a tax mitigation strategy? What do we need to do for health care? What's not taken care of from an estate planning perspective? All of those questions, and we need to start having that in place because if we hit the election and the market goes nuts or it goes bad yeah. and we have our strategy properly set up, it won't change your retirement plan because what what we have in place that could um, flux with the market or go down with the market would be longer-term money if we had our strategy set up right. So that's the key is we just don't want to get caught. And what I'm finding right now, it, it's kind of – there's two sides. So if you you picture – I call them buckets. On one side, there's, hey, my money's in the market. I'm just going to ride this out because the market always comes back. Yeah. It always does. We have elections every two years. We have the big election every four years. It, right. It comes and it goes. And then the other side is the savings account. You know, I got some money in cash. What is often neglected, I can't tell you how. So those are two buckets on each side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when when people come in, a lot of times that's what I see. It's either a combination of those two buckets or it's heavy on one or the other. I'm all cash because that's my personality and, and behavioral style. I'm all letting it ride. But what's being neglected is a middle bucket. And that middle bucket is that money that I'm going to need to fill my income gap that first five to 10 years in retirement. And that's going to be invested a little bit different or positioned a little bit different so that if the market does drop 30%, I'm not saying I can't retire now. Right. I've got that position in the right way. So that's the the three strategies that, that neglect that, that middle bucket of income money is often what we need to make sure we've accounted for. A quick follow-up on that. When when you're talking to someone, say, right now, here we are getting closer to the election, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, let's let's get some strategy, let's do some modeling. If it goes this way, this. If it goes, So basically at that point, are you setting up contingencies? Are you going ahead and putting things in action? Are you, are you waiting for the election and, and the result? What do you, uh, So there's two sides. So on one, we don't want to wait to have the, the right pieces in place. The, and we call that a plan design, right? The I just described it as buckets. We right, want to yeah. have the liquidity ratio, the income planning ratio, and the growth ratios right. That needs to be set. But what we are doing some is saying, okay, our intention is to have our, our long-term growth bucket in an 80-20 portfolio, 80% market, 20% more safe fixed income. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. In some cases, when when that's when we're not in that position now, we, we're saying, okay, let's, let's see. Let's let's wait and see if there's an opportunity to slide that market money into the market with another drop. 
So in some cases, we're holding, but we're holding in the bucket that we're intentionally going to invest at the right opportunity. Right. Okay. So it, it's either you can do a contingency. Right. If we do it, we'll flip the switch, or you just kind of go ahead and start moving in that direction, because maybe you are in a position where you needed to do that anyway. You could dollar cost yeah. averaging, too. Say, yeah. say it was $100,000 we're moving. Say, okay, we're going to move in 10000 a month and, and average it over time. Yeah. And then see what happens after A couple that. ways to attack it. All right. All right. Very good. All right. Well, uh, okay. So, and if, if you're like I am... You're going, okay, I got 15 more questions involving this. You can get them answered because that's what you do. And uh, we encourage folks to hit the, the website and, and email them in and send us questions. We'd right. love to be able to answer them on the air. Yeah, let us know. Let, let us know what your questions are when it comes to retirement planning, even stories. What have you experienced? What What's come up that might help some other people listening to this show? Uh, let me know at richlifeadvisors.com. Uh, give me a give me a call if you need if you're saying yeah I need to have that strategy conversation or I have, I have a concern or a question and we don't just talk about and this is what I think we do different Bill we're not just talking about mutual funds and bonds we're here to answer and I've staffed our team uh, we're here to answer those social security questions we're here to answer the tax mitigations when we're talking about Roth conversions and 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 eliminating or, or drawing down RMDs we're there to answer the healthcare planning questions the long term care um, estate planning. So so we're equipped to answer all those concerns because what I found over the years, if we're not able to look at them all together and the people that are on your team aren't communicating with each other, you're still left in the middle to figure it out yourself anyway. And that can be a lonely, confusing place to be. And I don't know how to do that. That's why I go to my Rich Life advisor. Bo Henderson's with us. Bill Main hanging out with him. Rich Life Retirement. And uh, there's a story in Forbes, uh, Forbes Bo, uh, about a couple they set aside a special section of their nest egg for one purpose, and I love this because this would be me, uh, to pay for all the traveling they plan to do in retirement. My wife and I are looking forward to doing a lot of that when we retire. But I'm curious, do you ever design an income strategy that's meant to fund a particular hobby or bucket list item for a client? Is that is that in the strategy? Yeah, we have to. We have to factor that in. Or we could get to retirement and realize, oh, we didn't plan for you to be able to travel. And that was what you were looking forward to for 30 I'm years. I'm going to sit home bored now. That's, That's not right. happening. And now I'm not happy with Bo Henderson. So <laughs> I want to make sure we do things that are going to make, make you satisfied and happy in retirement. So there's a couple ways we could attack that. So say we knew we, we had a $10,000 a year travel budget. We wanted to make that a priority. And one thing I can say with with travel, and that's one of the most popular things that people want to do in retirement. It comes up most of the time. Every once in a while, if somebody said, I traveled for my job, I'm done, I'm going to stay home. (laughs) But most of the time, travel is a big thing. So what we could do is say we had um, that $10,000 a year travel budget to take a nice trip. We'd want to figure out what, what that would cost for five years or so, the first five years of retirement. And that might be something we earmark and pull to the side to say, hey, here's our here's our travel budget. We're going to hold separate. And then we address the income planning separate, making sure all the other income sources pay the bills. Right. right. So that's one thing. We could we could account for it, earmark it. Hey, this is kind of sacred because this yeah. is an important priority to me. Not going to mess with it. Or uh, other scenarios, we could we could also cash flow that, depending on the income sources. Or, or if we have enough income, we could say, okay, that $10,000, we need to have X amount a month going into my travel fund. You might start that first year with the first 10000 Sure. But moving forward, X amounts replenishing for the next year. And it's almost like you're adding to a savings account during your working life, we're just making sure our cash flow supports the oh. retirement. And that way you're not having to necessarily move that five-year chunk of vacation. Right, pay. yeah, which is probably a little more tax-friendly to do it that way, too. Right, and, and that's the key, though. And, and I love this question and this this line of thinking. If we don't start thinking about it, if we don't start planning for it, we're more likely to run into a situation where we're taking money 
that needs to be used for other other jobs in retirement for that trip because it's right there and it's really easy to uh to say hey I'm young I'm young and healthy right now in retirement I need to go ahead and do this and and there's some truth to that too uh I do want to say that one of the things you'll find we do at Rich Life Advisors I encourage people to do this if we can afford to make those memories that's what's priceless do it with the people you care the most about that's what you'll want to trade all your money in the world for um, and do it do it early in retirement because the longer I do this, Bill, the more I see sometimes the plan doesn't work out the way you want. Something could happen to us in five years. Health issues. Yeah, yeah. We, could, we could lose a loved one. So, yeah. so do it. Create those memories, those experiences. But make sure you have a plan for affording it. Then that'll, that'll mitigate a lot of problems. Yeah, it certainly will. Okay, we've got about uh, four or five minutes here. And I don't want to get out of here before I get to this because I love this right here. Okay. A little time travel if you're ready. The year 1966, known for a lot of things, including one of my favorite shows as a kid, Batman. Oh, man, I love that show. Uh, let's see. It invented a cool whip. Uh, let's see, the Beatles played their last official concert before they broke up. But another reason, and you'll like this one, that year 1966 stands out, the guy who came up with the famous 4% withdrawal rule found that 1966 was the worst possible year to retire. Now, we still don't know yet where 2020 will fall. I'm having my suspicions, but we certainly hope it'll be better than 66. What are you telling your clients who were or maybe still are planning to pull the trigger in 2020? And that 4% rule has been around for a long time. Uh, That was what I was taught 20 years ago when I came into this industry. And imagine that, Bill, evaluating every year starting 1926 and to find the worst year possible to retire. Wow. Yeah. It was it, 1966. The, the withdrawal rate. So a retiree could, could start retirement and that money would last 30 years, drawing it down at 4%. Now, 1966 was the winner for the worst year to retire. I guess we could actually say, Bill, it's the loser, right? Yeah, I would say it came in first in last place. And I remember the, the highest year, the best year to retire, somebody that could draw as much as 10% a year and it lasts for 30 years. So it really... There's a big range, and it depends on the sequence of returns when you retire. It all depends on making sure you get the strategy. And, and it, what we said coming in is making sure you know what all the pieces are. That's it. And, and knowing that range, so 4% was the bad year. We don't want to bet on the air on the side of 8 or 9% for the best year and hope that's how things play out. Yeah, uh-huh, without having some idea of what will happen. Well, and, the, and this year, I guess the big question and the, rele- the relevant thing to ask with, with us looking at the differences from 4% to 10% drawdown is what's 2020 going to be like? It's been scary so far. All right. Yeah. What, how is that going to play out? So so we do. We want to have that plan. We want to make sure we're positioning assets that are going to last a long time. We don't want to be that statistic that, on average, men men are running out of money eight years too soon and women 11 years too soon. Wow, really? Yep. Okay, you just scared the crud out of me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, well no. It's a call to action, right? <laughs> yeah, that's well, exactly prevent yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that fear can be a good motivator to go in the right direction. And then you know what happens when you run out of money? Then you're left living just on Social Security. And if you know the average benefit is about $1,500, that's not a lot of for a lifestyle. That's not a people. living. Right. That's not a lot of living at all. Okay, so let's do it. If you're like I am, you just had the willy scared out of you. Let's get <laughs> motivated. Get in touch with the folks at Rich Life Advisors. What's the best way to get that ball rolling? Yeah, check us out at richlifeadvisors.com. Request the book, 12 Steps to Retirement Success, because it gives you 12 areas to make sure that, that you're addressing or have been addressed. And there's an assessment I built into the back of the book there It'll let you know your retirement readiness score, so it kind of gives you, hey, I'm, I'm 
in a pretty good position, or hey, there's some things I need to make a priority to work on. Uh, and if you come out as a C average student, you definitely want to work harder on it. That's for That's sure. Right. Nobody wants to be in the 75 percentile. And if you have specific questions, just give me a call at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Another busy day, another day where we learned a lot. Both. thanks for sharing with us. Appreciate it. Had fun, Bill. Sorry I scared you on that last one, <laughs> but sometimes we need that for motivation. I always want the truth, even if it scares me. I always want the truth. We'll be back with you next week, man. See ya. If you have specific retirement questions or would like to know more about Rich Life Advisors, go to richlifeadvisors.com or call 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Rich Life Advisors, LLC, provides investment advisory services through Formula Folios. Bo Henderson is a licensed insurance agent in Georgia.